Millennial Pagan Podcast. I'm your host, Autumn Wolf. And I'm Jarrah Stone. And in virtual studio today, we have Saray Ravenwind. Hello. Hello. Merry meet. Merry meet. Merry meet. Covering from vaccine, but yeah, doing good. <laughs> oh, yeah. We all are in that vaccine fog right now. Yes. <laughs> all three of us got either our second shot this week or I got the one and done. Yes. So we're all kind of like I, trying I got, to survive. I got my first shot and oh, man, I... Yeah, the the vaccine flu is a thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Luckily, I didn't have very bad side effects, just a mild fever and headache. My son had it much worse. He had a high fever, but we're okay today. It's been great, so we're better. Good. Yeah, no, I, uh, I found it very difficult to even scratch the top of my head. Oh. I'm, I'm not. Oh. Yeah, I'm not one to get shots. I hate needles, and I'm saying this as I'm covered with tattoos. Right. Um, well, I mean, it, it's so much different because you got you got like the super itty bitty needles that are just going really fast that you don't even see them, and then you got that one long needle that just goes in. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No. <laughs> I'm I'm not I'm not even a fan of piercings personally, but hey. Right. <laughs> yeah. No. I am always sore after a shot, and I can always feel like the fluid going in and like. He hit me and he starts putting in. He's like, oh, by the way, this is a thick serum. And I'm like, oh, love Yeah, you can feel it. Thank <laughs> the you. first one I didn't feel, but the second one I could feel it. Mm-hmm. But that's done. Yeah, Yay. Yeah, I'm, I'm still. All done. Woo. Yes. You got one more. Yep. <laughs> I got I got one more. I got one more. <laughs> it's okay. I'll, I'll take it. I will take yes. the time off of work. I am fine with that. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. So, Saray, we have a great privilege of having her here today. Our longtime listeners have heard me say a lot about I was in a coven when I was in Georgia that taught me a lot and got me kind of on the road to actually being a serious witch pagan and that they were a Wiccan coven to begin with. Well, Saray is the high priestess of that coven. So we're going to be given a whole lot of information. We miss you so much. I believe that was over five (laughs) years ago, I think, that you were with us. Oh, almost. Yes. Yes, Um, yes. This November, I would be living in Arizona for seven years. Wow. So seven years ago. So it's been more than five. Wow. Yeah. That's hard to believe. (laughs) Right? Sorry we had to steal her. Yes, I know. (laughs) (laughs) You would be shocked at the community that's here in the Phoenix Valley, though. Mm-hmm. Really? What? In what way? Mm-hmm. Why? Uh, it's just bigger. Okay. And more open. Wow. Well, Georgia is the Bible Belt, so. Mm. <laughs> yes. I know people who travel to Ren Fairs, and they say that people are more out at Ren Fair in Georgia, and I'm like, well, that's because that's where they feel safe. Whereas right. here, you could be out all day, every day. You don't need to shout it at Ren Fair. Oh wow! I just I can't imagine what that would be like. Yes. Yeah, I'm still kind of in the closet because it is Georgia. So <laughs> being a high priestess, I have to be in the closet. It's, it stinks. Yeah, especially mm-hmm. Arizona being such a, at least until recently, such a conservative state. You know, right. you'd, you'd be very, very surprised as to how many people are out actually out here. 
I think it's a combination of one, we live in a city and two, we live so close to California and we have right. so many people moving from California. Yeah, yeah. that could be it. Be so, it. Yeah. But yeah, we see a lot more bumper stickers about the goddess and a lot more pentacles, bumper stickers and other things on vehicles just driving around and more open jewelry, things like that. Oh, mm-hmm. I'm jealous. <laughs> It is a much more comfortable. It's also a culture shock for a lot of people, too. It is. It was for me. I was like, whoa, did I just see what I I saw? Oh, (laughs) at Sprouts. It's fun. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. I'm like, oh, you don't have to wear tiny to hide it. Yes. But so the reason why we've asked Saray to come on is to talk about coven magic, how to form covens, how her coven was formed, which is not a traditional coven or a traditional way that covens are formed. So that would give us a pretty good perspective of how to do it, how not to, how to find a coven in your area. Because like I've said numerous times, if I haven't lived there, I really don't know what's going on. So I'm not a great resource to reach out to to ask other than my answer of Facebook and Meetup. <laughs> so maybe we would get a little bit better more and more information for that. And but first we have to ask, Saray, would you mind sharing your coming of witch story? Sure. I don't know how much detail to go into because it could be really long, so I'll shorten it. However much you want it to be. (laughs) All right. Well, it started when I was 10 years old, actually. I grew up in a very non-religious family. We didn't go to church or anything like that. My parents sometimes sent us on the bus to church, I guess, so they could have some alone time. They had a bus that would come to (laughs) neighborhoods and and take you. So we did that sometimes. And I went occasionally with my grandmother. But other than that, we weren't a religious family at all. And when I was 10 years old, my brother, who's three years older than me, brought home a three-ring notebook binder, and he had written the zodiac and astrological symbols on the outside of the binder, and he had a bunch of notes in there, and I was very curious, and I was like, what is that? And he told me a little bit about astrology, and I was just like, ooh, that's very interesting. And so the next day, I went (laughs) and looked up books on astrology and checked some out, and of course, right next to all the astrology books were books on witchcraft. So I was like, ooh, witches. (laughs) And so I checked those out too. And I was a very prolific reader, even at that age. And so I read all of those books, started taking notes, learning about astrology and witchcraft, and started doing spells even at that age. And by the time I was 12, it was known around the neighborhood that I was a witch and I wasn't allowed to play with the other kids. And I thought that was very cool. (laughs) So, (laughs) And so uh, it, it progressed and I dabbled and I stayed with it even until I was, you know, a teenager in high school. A bunch of friends and I formed a little group we called the MCPR, the Media Mystic Circle of Parapsychological Research, which is pretty silly now, but we thought it was cool. We would do (laughs) seances and visit graveyards and try table tipping and do spells and things like that. And we would meet once a week. And so I did that through high school. And then college, I obviously wasn't able to 
commit as much, not really at all, because I was busy with college. And so after college, I, I became a teacher and I was teaching a sign language class on the side just to make extra money because teachers don't get paid squat. And one of my students was wearing a pentacle when she came to class and I asked her about it and she said that she was Wiccan. And I was like, what is that? And she told me and I was amazed. I was like, there's a religion that believes what I believe. I'd never heard of it. I was amazed that with all my witchcraft studies that I never saw a book on Wicca. I guess if I had seen the title Wicca, I would have, I wouldn't have known what it was. So that's why I didn't choose those books. And so, of course, I started reading all about that and found out, yes, that's what I am. That's what I believe. And so I started looking around for covens in my area. That's I lived in Savannah, Georgia at the time, even more South Georgia in the buckle of the Bible Belt. And I visited (laughs) three covens down there. I did their outer court classes, things like that. Went to a few rituals. This was obviously in my early 20s. And I self-dedicated myself in 1993, and I started dating a guy that was also Wiccan. He was in one of those heavens. And I started, I guess, having not bad experiences, but just feeling kind of in with the covens when it came time to find out if I wanted to join or not. And so I I just, I guess I felt that they were pretentious. You know, you have to call me, you know, Lord this or lady that. And if you have any issues, you need to come to us first. And I was just kind of put off a little bit. And during that time, I had done my year and a day. And so the boyfriend that I was dating at the time initiated me um, first degree. And we were doing rituals and things like that. And one of the high priests in one of the covens actually crossed over. And it just so happened that at that very same time, I was dating my soon-to-be husband. And I had been out of the broom closet all of my life, but I subconsciously knew he would not approve. And so I put all my altar and everything away, and I didn't tell him. And... I guess during that time is when I was becoming, you know, like eh, about joining a coven because of the pretentiousness, I thought. And I didn't really care for the new high priest of that coven. And and then nine months after my husband and I had been dating, he proposed. And so I was like, oh, crap, I got to tell him. And when I did, he almost broke our engagement. <laughs> so I was like, oh, I'll give it up for him, you know. And in that meantime, we moved up to Atlanta and I gave it up for about 10 years. But after that time, the goddess was like hitting me on the head with a two by four, like, hello, you know, you're my priestess. And I really felt the calling, you know, to come back. And so I started looking around up here in the Atlanta area. I looked at Ravenwood and Oak Spring and a few other covens in the area and talked to their high priestesses. And I was just like, eh, still, I, I felt it's, it's not for me. And so I was like, well, I think I'll form a study group, you know, just to be around like people. So I got on meetup.com and I, I did that. And that was in 2009. 
And we met for a couple months, bunch of different ones, and not a funny story, but just one of the things that happened is very quickly on, of course, I didn't have any rules because it was just anyone could come. And so there was like, you know, little 13-year-old girls, you know, coming and we were meeting at the bookstore and that was really awkward. And the few men that actually joined, nothing against you men, I promise, but there was three men that joined and I swear all three of them, it seemed like they were just hoping to get laid, you know, hoping to uh, see naked women. And so the other ladies and I very quickly, we were like, oh, no, we don't like this. And so we quickly decided we would be women only. So we basically kicked them out. <laughs> and after a while, five, <laughs> six of us, we were meeting regularly. We came up with some rules. You know, we started like interviewing people so that we wouldn't have, you know, little girls. We decided at least to do 18 and up. And after we'd been meeting regularly for a couple of months, they were like, you know, we should do rituals together. So we did. And then after that, they were like, well, we should be a coven. And I, I was really hesitant and like, no, no, no. And I told them, you know, my experiences. <laughs> and after we would been doing rituals for five or six months after that, they kept pushing the issue and like, we should be a coven. And finally they said, you know, if you form your own coven, then you can make it however you want because it would be yours. And I was like, yeah, I guess that's true. It wouldn't be traditional because I was still obviously just first degree, but I had been doing this since I was 10 and really since, you know, my early 20s. And so I said, okay. And I really wasn't sure what to do. But at that time, I was like, well, I think I need to self-initiate myself, you know, at least a second degree so that I feel like I'm ready to do this and, you know, have a really heart to heart with the goddess. And so we contacted, I contacted a, an author. I was reading a book by Thuri Calafia at the time. I had already done the dedicant book and I was reading Initiate and it had in the back, you know, contact the author. And I was like, well, I wonder if I contact her, if, you know, she could help. And I did. And she wrote me right back, back then in, you know, the early nineties, you know, email, everything wasn't all like it is <laughs> now. And I got her email address and she emailed me right back and she said she would love to help. And I talked to her for hours and hours and hours and ages and we're still great friends. And um, she helped me, you know, come up with a curriculum and, you know, everything what to do. And she told me, you know, what to do for my second degree initiation. And so we decided to birth the coven on Samhain 2011 at that by the time we did it. And during that ceremony, first, I did my elevation to second degree. And I initiated one lady that had been Wiccan for 20 years. I initiated her to second degree. And then the, the others won first degree and the several others to dedicate. And we had our five people to, at the time, we called ourselves Wiccan Circle, and, and then when we initiated into our coven, we were now Circle of the Spiral Moon, and we have been that ever since. And this Samhain, it will be 10 years that I had that coven. And in 2013, I elevated to third degree, doing all of the curriculum work and getting up to that. And I've initiated one member up to third degree, two others to second degree, and I think three to first 
and lots of dedicants and others underneath that. <clears throat> so that's basically it. The uh, two ladies that I had that helped start the coven with me in 2009 actually hived off this past summer and formed a new coven. So I have uh, started off with new ladies since then, and they've been with me for about six months. And I'm actually open right now. We're looking for a few more new ladies. And we only take ages 25 and up, and we can talk about that a little bit <laughs> if you want. We'll talk about the reason why we made it 25 and up. But that's my story till now. Yes. So right now, I know with your coven, you do have specific, you work with three goddesses and three gods as far as the structure goes. But what are your three and three? They're actually only me. Everyone has their own god oh. goddesses. Yes. And I three and three either. It took a very long time, actually, for me to get any gods and goddesses. In fact, when I first started uh, Wicca in 1993, I had a very hard time even honoring God and goddess because growing up all my life, I really didn't even believe in God. And so for my first 20, 23 years of being Wiccan, I just honored spirit, honestly, because I envisioned them as energy. And then uh, once we formed the coven and we started saying God and goddess in circle, our Lord and lady, I really started feeling a pull toward, you know, well, I think I could do this <laughs> at this point. And I think I, I can see them as this duality. And, and so I started researching and calling lots of different goddesses and gods into circle. And I didn't feel a connection with any of them for the longest time. And I realized it was probably because it's, kind of silly, but I really had a hard time with all of the mythologies, you know, with, you know, gods and goddesses being born by popping out of their head or from the semen of the sea foam and, you know, all of the, the, the stories. And so I had a difficult time, I don't know, believing in any of them. And so I started just doing really deep meditations and path workings um, trying to find my deities. And it actually happened when I was doing a meditation and I found a, a doe, a deer, a deer, a female deer, um, <laughs> in, uh, in um, meditation. <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't resist. Uh, in a meditation, and she came to me as a totem animal. And I was doing a path working with her, and she actually morphed into a goddess and she had antlers and so the and the doe actually had antlers so i thought it was a, a buck at at first but i realized it was a female and so when i researched that i found that there were several antlered goddesses and so i meditated on the different names of flidace i know that's not how you pronounce it in gaelic <laughs> it's like flyish or something um, and then there was ellen of the ways and then Kama. And so when I meditated on them, I felt a really pull toward Kama. And so when actually in circle, I called her by name for the first time, I literally felt like a lightning bolt go through me and I just burst it out in tears and I felt her and I knew that it was real and I knew she was my goddess and 
I instantly felt this connection with her. I even got chill bumps now, and this was 15 years ago, (laughs) 10 years ago. And so that's how I found my first goddess. And and then soon after that, I found Kernunos, and he is still my God, and he's still the only God that I honor. Um, And he just changes throughout the seasons. So I only have the one Mm -hmm. God, and then... A few years after that, I got I got Kaliak, which I was afraid of at first because of all the stories, you know, that I've heard. You know, she's this fanged, blue-faced, you know, goddess that's, you know, a dark goddess. And so I resisted for a long time. Um, but then, you know, as you know, as you go on for many years with Wicca, you know, a, little, a lot in the beginning, people say, oh, it's Fluff Bunny or whatever. But it's not, you know, over the years you start doing shadow work and things like that, and it, it becomes very deep. And, and so I started working with the shadow, and that's how I found Kaliak, and she's been amazing. And then about a year after that, I found Hatika, and she is not a known goddess. There, you know, she's just my personal goddess. And when I meditate with her, she's my mother goddess, earth goddess. She has told me that she has, her name has been lost to history, that she's that ancient, and that's why there's nothing on her. So everything that I know about her is just through my meditations and path workings and talking with her and working with her. And then I also got Inanna. So I have four goddesses that I work with. Inanna is my warrior goddess. So I have a maiden mother, crone, and warrior goddess. And all of them come to me at different times, obviously, when I need them. And I feel very close to them, as well as Cornuno. So Mm -hmm. very deep bonds, working with them, you know, very closely over the years. But in my coven, we never call any of the goddesses by name because everyone is free to honor and worship their own deities and have that personal relationship with them. So they can call them in as God and goddess and envision their own deity coming into circle. Mm-hmm. So we're going to take our short break when we come back. I kind of want to focus on talking about what is a traditional coven, maybe the difference from Gardnerian, Alexandrian, and then like a modern coven, and then your coven. Wonderful. Sounds good. We'll be right back. All right. Thank you. We'll be right back. Millennial Pagan Podcast is exclusively supported by Patreon. Listeners like you can get great benefits from your favorite show, such as At $1 a month, you get a personalized shout-out at the end of the next full-length episode. At $5 a month, you receive a thank-you card in the mail with a Millennial Pagan Podcast button and sticker enclosed. Additionally, $5 a month supporters have access to our monthly 30-minute minisodes. Patreon supporters are also the first to learn about new and exciting updates to Millennial Pagan Podcast. More benefits and exclusive content to come. Audio is provided by Goblin Tech Productions. All right, and we are back. And uh, hopefully you guys had a nice break, because I know we did. (laughs) Yes. So, yeah, so we kind of want to go into uh, a little bit more of how traditional covens are different from kind of the coven that you culminated and and kind of created over the past 10 years. Right. 
So a lot of the language that you used, including inner court, outer court, and degree systems, people who are kind of new to paganism or new to Wicca won't really know. So a quick rundown on those and why you decided to throw what out. (laughs) All right. So I guess to me, inner court is more of your the high priest, the high priestess, and initiates, so first, second, third degree initiates in a coven. And then your outer court are all of your dedicates and seekers. Those who are, are learning and taking the beginning classes are in the outer court. So a lot of things are done within the inner court that the outer court doesn't have privy to um, or can't participate with. And in my coven, since it is non-traditional we actually move a lot quicker, I think, than traditional covens. For instance, I allow uh, students to start participating in ritual once they're a seeker. So that's almost at the very beginning in a traditional coven. But in my coven, we actually have even two levels before that. And so it's actually, they're with us for about a year before that. So I actually have applicants, which is about three months where we're just getting to know one another and they're just, you know, getting to know us and they they are allowed to come to meetings and things like that, but they don't participate in any rituals or any of the more serious classes. And then from there, they go to prospective member and that's three months and they are doing uh, book work and things like that. So I see you know, what they know, how much they know, because we do have a curriculum and we can talk about that a little bit too later. And then from prospective member, while they're a prospective member, they're allowed to start observing ritual. So they can see, you know, how we do things and if this is something they're interested in and we get to know them better over that three month period. So from that point, they've been with us about six months. And then once they're a seeker and we've approved them from that point on, Because at each level, of course, they have to be voted in to whether they, we, you know, they mesh with us, we mesh with them, and we want to keep them. And once they're a seeker, they can start doing practice rituals, participating in ritual very briefly, you know, just a little bit, learning how we do things. And then once they're a dedicant, they can fully start participating in ritual, writing ritual, doing ritual. And we're very different, I think. I've never been in a traditional coven, you know, up to that point as an initiate. But I have, in the many years, I have been to other covens and participated in their rituals. And High Priestess has been to mine. And they have seen how we do things. And I was very pleased with that to know that, you know, I did, I'm not lineaged. And so I was pleased to know that I'm doing it not that there is a right way, but I'm doing it the right way. You know, I'm, I'm doing it almost exactly the way they are. So I was very pleased with that. And, and you know, I move them up slowly and I, I teach them, I guess, you know, baby steps. So it's not like we say here, do a ritual. You know, first they learn to cast sacred space and they practice that for a while. And then they call it elements along with casting sacred space. And then they learn know, to cast a circle and then they call in deity and, you know, baby steps adding to it. They learn to bless the elements for ritual and, you know, add all of the steps in. So by the time they're dedicants, they know what they're doing. And as as part as the lineage part, I I may be lineaged because 
my boyfriend at the time that did initiate me to first degree, I believe was lineaged. But for the life of me, you know, that's been 26 years ago or so. I, I can't remember what his lineage was. So I don't, I can't profess to say that I am because I don't know. And I don't know how to reach him to ask him. So I, I don't proclaim to be because I, I can't prove mm-hmm. it. What is lineage? Lineage is when you come from the lineage in Wicca, because Wicca was basically formed from Gerald Gardner in the late 40s, early 50s. So he is known as the father of Wicca. He didn't, they didn't call themselves Wiccan at the time. They were a witch cult. But Gardner is the founder, basically, of Wicca. And so the other Wiccan covens sprang from his covens, Alexandrian and Sachs, I think is how you pronounce it, Sachs and Wicca, Raymond Buckland. And so all of the different branches come from Gardnerian. And of course, there's British traditional Wicca, you know, many, many different branches. But because I didn't have proof of any of those lineages, I don't profess to be because I don't know. And so I tell my coven, of course, that I'm not lineaged because I don't know if I am or not, <laughs> to be honest, because I don't know if my boyfriend that initiated this degree, I don't know what his lineage was. So I'm sure he told me at the time, but it's just been so many years ago. I don't remember. So what would you give advice for somebody looking to build a coven? Obviously, you were you said in your story that you were very apprehensive to do so. Yes. And then somebody told you, but you could do it yourself. And how would you, what kind of advice would you give somebody when they are like, okay, I want to do this differently. Maybe they're not Wiccan. Maybe they're a different pagan branch and they're trying to figure out how to start. How would you just say? Um, Obviously, having lots of book knowledge is good. Nowadays, there's so much on the internet and you can get so much misinformation because you don't know what's accurate, (laughs) what's not. And so I think looking back to a lot of the like original books um, is a good idea to have a lot of book knowledge. If, you know, if you're not privy to joining a coven and you want to start your own like I did. A lot of that book knowledge in the older books, Scott Cunningham, I really like the Christopher Pinsack books. That's witchcraft, not Wicca, but it's still amazing. I actually do consider my coven to be probably 50-50 Wicca and witchcraft because we do incorporate witchcraft. But I think having that book knowledge is very important, but equally important is having experience. I always tell everyone in my coven that to be Wiccan, you have to do it to be it. It's not like other religions where you get to basically be a sheep and just, you know, sit there and listen and you don't have to do a lot. Wiccan, you actually have to practice to be Wicca, to be Wiccan. You have to, you know, honor the seasons and honor your deity and do your rituals and get that practice and meditate and do all of the things to be Wiccan. It isn't just, oh, I'm a witch, I'm Wiccan, just because I read one book, you know, here it is. It doesn't work that way. It takes (laughs) lots and lots and lots and lots of experience. So I think, I know most of your audience are millennials, but I a little bit frown upon, I think someone, you know, really young coming out and automatically starting a coven without a lot of experience or 
I don't know, age, I guess. I had someone who wanted to join my coven recently who was 25 and said that, you know, she was a high priestess for a while of, you know, a coven. And I was just like, okay. <laughs> and she had only started, you know, at like 19. So I'm like, hmm, okay. <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> but all right. So I think experience, you know, you really have to have a lot of experience under your belt and know what you're doing. Also, the experience of, you know, working with people, being able to work with a group, being able to handle the issues that come up within a groups, because they always do. And my coven being only women, you know, you, you do get that, I don't know, cattiness or whatever sometimes, you know, people working together and, you know, they're, they're always you know, certain friendships forms or even clicks sometimes. And you have to make sure that everyone's included and that that doesn't happen and that you can weed out issues. So I think you need to have those skills as well. Conflict resolution. Right. Good group management. At every other meeting or so, I always say, you know, is there anything we need to discuss? Has anything come up? Yeah. Right. So if somebody was looking to join a coven or a group of some kind, how would you kind of guide them on what should they be looking for? What should they know about themselves before doing so? Things like that. What do you look for in prospective people? <laughs> okay. Well, in mine, since I live in the Atlanta metro area, the biggest issue that we've had in looking for people is that trying to get someone close by because it's such a huge, broad area. Our biggest issue has been getting people that live you know, 40, 50, even an hour away. And then with traffic, it really takes three hours to get here. So you want to try to find a place that's closer. So just in the last six months, we've made it a rule that if you live more than 30 miles away, we can't take you because it's, it's been the biggest issue of why people have to leave because the drive is just too much. And I mm -hmm. have that problem where you are, but of course all your listeners live everywhere. So that's, that's a big issue, especially, you know, if you meet mm -hmm. like we do, but as far as what I'm looking for, like I said, I, I do the 25 and up and we are women only. We had to do the 25 and up because when we started, like I said, we took 18 and up. But once we started doing ritual and had cakes and ale, we had alcohol, we had to move it up to 21. But we quickly found that even at 21, that most of the women who tried to join, they were still living at home with their parents. They might be in the broom closet. There was an issue of family finding out or them having to get a ride. And so that was an issue. So we moved it up to 25 and we still kind of have that issue too, even with 25 year olds. So if we take someone 25 to 30, we really look to make sure before I accept them that they're settled, I guess you would say, you know, I'm more likely to take you if you're married and already have kids, you know, you have a job and you're settled and you're not going to move quickly, you know, move soon, because that was a big issue with almost all of the younger, younger women that we've taken is, you know, they would be with us for a little while, but then they would, you know, get a boyfriend or a husband, you know, have children, move away with their job, you know, go off to college, you know, it's just, and it's not their fault, you know, that's just life. That age, that's what you do. And so 
we would always lose those <laughs> numbers, you know, those those ages. And then that's okay. So now we're we really limit the younger ages that we take because of those experiences. But what we're looking for, what I'm looking for really is someone who is really committed. And it's okay if they don't have any experience. I totally take green women who are, you know, they're really interested and they want to know. And I can, if I can tell that they're really dedicated and committed and this is what they want to do, I'll accept, you know, women with no experience. And we've had women who, you know, have been solitaries for 40 years that we've taken. And we've had women that have been in covens before. But, you know, it's, it's just really looking for that dedication. One, that they're not going to leave anytime soon because we become close very quickly. We are a sisterhood and we, we are a family and we don't want someone who's going to be with us. And we build those strong bonds and connections and then they leave. So I really want to take someone who, who is going to stay. And I look for someone who, who is, of course, you know, honest and kind and compassionate, open-minded, you know, all of those things that you would want in any group are not argumentative, things like that. It's hard to tell that. So that's why we have such, right. so many degrees because we want to get so many levels. We want to get to know them first before we have circle together and perfect love and perfect trust, because we really want to know them and make sure they're dedicated and they're, you know, doing the work and learning and committed to being Wiccan and to the coven. Right. What would you tell somebody who's looking for a, a coven or a group? How would they go about looking for what, even if it's not exactly what you already have established or it's in a different place? Right. Unfortunately, the way I found most of my group in the past was through Witchbox, which is no longer. Oh, Seth, so, so sad. Now there is a new, a new uh, website called, I don't know how to pronounce it. I wish they'd come up with something better, but that is trying to replace them. <laughs> Mandragoramagica.com, M-A-N-D-R-A-G-O-R-I-M-A-G-I-C-A.com. Um, and they have, they're starting so that all covens can post, you know, that they have a, a coven. You can go there. I use meetup.com mostly now along with that other website. And another way that's the easiest, I guess, is just to Google covens in my area, covens near me. Google's your friend, I guess. It will, <laughs> you know, it actually works <laughs> because uh, word of mouth doesn't work all the time. You know, if you have a local new age store or something like that, you can ask there, but they're not around as much anymore. But those are the three ways that I suggest because it is very difficult. Obviously, when back in the early 90s, I was looking, it was almost impossible. I had to go through, back then there were newsletters, Circle Network News and things like that were the only way to find anything. <laughs> and covens were way more secretive back then. Nowadays, it's, I think, a lot easier. Right. Mm -hmm. What are some warning signs that people should look out for? In finding covens or when they find a person, which which do you mean? Mm -hmm. Or even joining a group or when joining a group or when you've formed a group and you're adding somebody. Obviously, right. you mentioned a couple of them uh, was dedication, 
to whatever craft that you're doing and ability to be there. But if you know you have those things and you want to join a group, what should you be looking out for as far as, oh, that's a bad idea? Well, I think uh, you definitely need to do your research. If you do find a coven, you need to ask lots and lots of questions. Find out what tradition they are. Obviously, and if you've done your research, you, you would know that if you're looking at a Gardnerian coven, they practice skyclad, which is naked. So if you're not comfortable with that, that's not the type of group you would want to be with. You need to ask lots of questions about what gods and goddesses they worship. Most other covens, other than mine, they do have specific gods and goddesses that they honor. And I didn't do mine that way. That was one of the things that I didn't feel comfortable with because I'm like, well, what if that's not my God or goddess? What if I don't feel a connection to that God or goddess? I don't want to have to be told who I have to honor or worship. And so you have to be comfortable with that if they do have certain ones that they do. And they actually, they probably will not tell you when you're starting to join who they honor, but maybe they'll tell you if you ask, you know, do you worship you know, a particular god and goddess. And so you would know that going in. You would have to have a lot of questions, ask about how often they meet, of course, and how far away it is and what, if they have a curriculum, what you need to do, what their levels are, ask about their elevations. Oh, I can't think of other things right now, but I think you can actually Google, though, questions to ask a coven before joining. There, there are lots of lists that <laughs> really are. Google's amazing nowadays. They didn't have any of that when I started. And then once you're looking for someone in a group, I always asked questions about their history, especially if they grew up with religion, because sometimes we've gotten applicants who really haven't made that break away from Christianity and they're feeling a lot of guilt and sometimes it's very difficult for them. And so you have to really know that if you're going to have to work with them to make that transition. And I ask a lot of questions about experiences that they've had, what books they've read. Because I, like I said earlier, I really do like them to have some book knowledge rather than just internet knowledge because there's so much out there on the internet You know, people can say anything out there, (laughs) out there on the interwebs. So I do, you know, Mm -hmm. them to have at least read a few books and have some knowledge, even if they don't have any experience doing ritual or circle or anything yet, that's okay. But like I said, I, I do take people if they don't have any book knowledge, if, you know, if I feel like they're very committed and they want to learn. And we have a very lengthy application process. It actually takes about two months three months sometimes because we, you know, we meet with them several times to get to know them a little bit, formal applications and interviews. And then we have some informal. And then from there, we, we have a whole meeting that's about three hours where we do paperwork, you know, not that it's official contracts, but I guess it actually is because we go over, you know, the rules of the coven and how it works and all of the things that we do and have them sign things and, over the curriculum and because it my coven we are a teaching coven I haven't said that yet so there is a curriculum and they do have book work and they have to spend at least three hours a week doing that book work so I like to say that we are a coven of solitaries because it is we I do strongly believe our connection to Wicca and your gods and goddesses is a very personal and sacred thing so you have to do that part on your own to have that relationship with 
your gods and goddesses and Wicca and, and deity, however you perceive it. And so there is a lot of homework study involved along with our weekly meetings that we have every week where I teach classes. You know, we have classes on meditation and tarot and, you know, all of the the things involved and, you know, how eventually once they get to that point, how to do circle and how to do ritual and past life regression, all those different classes. So they have to do <laughs> the meetings every week, which are two and a half hours, the meeting, and then they're at homework. And so it is a big commitment. And so they have to be committed to that. And so when I'm meeting with them in those several meetings that we have before we take them as an applicant, they have to really understand that. And they also have to learn that we are a sisterhood and we are very close and connected and we were, we're there for one another for the, on the mundane level and the spiritual level. One of us, you know, needs to go to the hospital, you know, we'll take them and, or anything like that. We had a a coven member in the past, for example, that had a, a seizure and she couldn't drive for six months, you know? And so we all had to help with that, you know, not had to, but, you know, we wanted to. And so we help each other out, you know, through the mundane things too, because we become a very, very strong sisterhood and we need to be there for one another. So I need to know that they're going to open themselves to be vulnerable, to be there for one another and be able to be close, you know, because they're there just are some people that just don't let you in, <laughs> you know, then don't allow that closeness. Right. We want to really try to develop that and, and be close. And, and I know in Norse hearths, that's also the goal. So for listeners, that isn't an unusual thing with tight knit groups, especially in rural areas that you're going to end up having that they're they're the only people in your area that have your spirituality essentially so that's something to think about one thing i want to mention to everyone that of course this what saray has developed works for her it might not work for you yes but this is a hopefully an idea for everybody to kind of think about if you have any questions or comments for us, of course, you can always reach out millennialpeganpod at gmail.com. And Saray, if they wanted to reach out to you and ask you questions or even petition to join your coven, how would they get in touch with you? They can email me personally at BF as in fish. I always have to say, because people are, are you saying F or S? BFC2345 at AOL.com. Yes, I still have an AOL address. I'm old. <laughs> <laughs> if uh, if uh, there are women 25 and up that are local to my area, I am in uh, Buford, Georgia, 30 miles away because we don't take them further than that. They can uh, look up my coven at meetup.com slash circle of the spiral moon. And there is a place there to fill out a really short application, just answer some profile questions. And then from there, if we are interested in you, then we will have a very much longer questionnaire for them to fill out that they could do. And we would go from there. But we do keep our numbers very small. Actually, we don't take more than seven women at a time. But right now at the moment, we are looking to get uh, two more ladies. We just got two more last week. So uh, we just have two more openings. Yay. 
Yes. Nice. Yay. Awesome. And Jared, where can they find you? Of course, I'm all over the interwebs on Instagram. <laughs> you can follow me to find all my my fun mundane, which is now starting to bleed with magical stuff at <laughs> Haggard underscore Hagrid underscore cosplay on YouTube. If you just look up Haggard Hagrid, I have my year long series going on right now, just doing a video every day, which if you want to see me get my COVID shot, I got a video of that. <laughs> and uh, what's of course, the weight loss goal? Uh, weight loss goal. Currently, I had a bad week. <laughs> um, That's all right. Yeah, I'm I'm back up That's to about normal. yeah I'm back up to about three twenty. Uh, I was down to about three fourteen, but hey, you know when when you're feeling bad, it's and COVID. comfort is food. Food is comfort. Yeah, yeah. That that's that's a small enough flux that that's not oh, even yeah. that's nothing to wink to worry about. Well, congratulations. Yeah. That's great. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I got this new beautiful thing called an Oculus, and I've been doing virtual workouts, and I haven't been able to for the past couple of days because it's a Aww. lot of lot of arm movement. But I arm think movement. today I'm gonna be able to get to jump back into it. But yeah, it, definitely, if you guys want to follow along in this in this year long journey with me, just look me up on there, and it's essentially kind of like uh, I'm I'm seeing it as, as a video diary for myself that anybody can look into because I know if it. It's not just going to help me in the long run. It could help somebody else. And if it does help at least one more person, it's doing its job. Yay. Right. Awesome. Well, you can find me, Autumn Wolf, on Twitter and on Facebook. And you can find Millennial Pagan Podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Yes. And I, we don't have any specific people to thank right now for Patreon. So if you want to be a Patreon supporter, I'm sure during the break you heard a lovely commercial with Sound Guy Drew talking all about that. If you want me and Jared to make a funnier version of that, drop us a comment. We will have information on how to connect with Saray below in the comments. And we will see you guys soon. So thank you, Saray, so much for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. Yes. Yes. So marry me. Marry part. And, and marry, marry me, me again. again. <laughs>